welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Henneken and Mike the Grizz. Hey, Mike the Grizz. You know hey. what? We're going to have so much fun today. Uh, some of the things you've just been talking about, I can't wait. You know, one of the things that I really enjoy about this, even though I don't make any money at it, but it's fun, is it what I get to learn every week. Well, that's what it's all about, you know, to get out there and find those people and talk to them and not only learn, but find new places to go to do the things we love to do. Yeah. And that's what makes this show worth it for everybody to know places like what we're doing today about knives, peacock bass, what we're going to do next week, stories from ex-game wardens, retired game wardens. Grizz. Do you mind, What's that? Do you mind if I interrupt you for a second? There's, no, I don't. Go there's, ahead. There's not. something very important about next week. Who's birthday? Yes, I know. Should we should we share that? Well, we're going. Yeah, go ahead. You be the one to tell them. Okay, uh, we've been around for gosh, I don't know how long—12, 15 years—as a one-hour program. And, you know, because of the demand, we're going to go to two hours. So next week, uh, there's going to be two um, segments. Now, depending on what your market and where it is, they can be contiguous, or you may listen to you know one show at one day and the other show on another. But what that's going to do, it's going to allow us to get more in-depth with our guests. Instead of trying to get them on there, get some quick information, and say, hey, thank you, uh, adios. Yeah, it's going to be so much more because we got more time bringing more people in. And give the people who's got great stories to tell us a little bit more time. Yeah. You yeah. know? Well, that's one of the problems is that, you know, there's a lot of things. I mean, this show is not about a fish report. This is what's biting today, and this is what kind of bait to use. This show tries to get in more involved in teaching, and teaching me in particular, about just so many different topics. And it's difficult to do that in 10 or 12 minutes. Yeah, it's almost impossible because it seems like it just, you get warmed up and you got to shut her down again yeah so with the new the two hours we're going to have so much more time and we'll have so much more to talk about because we're going to be bringing people in from africa from alaska from canada just all over the world that want to tell us everything from hunting cape buffalo in south africa in zimbabwe as killing uh uh, caribou. Yeah, you know and what? The difference between the two caribou are. Yeah, John. What? Grace, but last week we touched a little bit on Africa and hunting in a lot in Africa, and you know, again, we don't have a whole lot of time, and we didn't. But just a couple of things. First of all, Africa is, is a continent; it's not just a country. And exactly right. There are so many different places, and some of them have been abused and pretty much, uh, you know, um, decimated, you know, by the hunters and, and uh, you know, and the indigenous people that are just trying to find a way to you know, kill something to eat. And some of the countries have done a tremendous job in conservation, 
And part of the conservation effort, whether it's in Africa or United States, is the outdoors people are the ones that are responsible for conservation. I know that uh, people, some people seem to think that, oh, you killed Bambi. Well, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it, it, people that, that enjoy the outdoors, they understand you don't take the last one. And well, John, the thing that most people don't realize is the impact financially that brings to any country, yeah. whether it be United States, even statewide in the United mm-hmm. States. You know, there's more deer in Turkey and Indiana, Ohio, and Pennsylvania in the history no. of these places. And why is that possible? I because they have a value. A deer isn't go out and shoot a deer. A deer is to go out, look for a nice trophy, trophy buck for years and older. People are planting special uh, foods, crops for them to, to grow bigger and faster to get that one buck of the lifetime, that trophy buck. Mm-hmm. But doing that, they're also giving food, water, and nutrition to the does. Therefore, they're producing more. Ah. So, I mean, when you have food plots, when you put out minerals and do that, it's not the bucks that you're affecting so much. You're infecting the whole herd. So you got better bucks. Turkeys. People, there's money for turkeys now. Mm-hmm. So they guide turkeys. Therefore, they put out food that the turkey likes to eat. Mm-hmm. So now we've got more turkeys. It's hey, not Grizz, all I hate, the turkeys. I, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I hate to interrupt. But we do have Trish on the line from Cal, Cal Parks Company, and she just kind of ran in at the last minute. So let's get her on the line right now, and we're going to find a little bit about uh, what's happening in the West Coast in California in particular. Trish, are you there? I am here. We found you. Where have you been, baby? Uh, You know what? I was sitting with my phone wondering when you were going to call, and it didn't ring. So I looked down, and it said, Miss Cole, it was not ringing. So I am so sorry. Here I am. (laughs) I hate those stupid smartphones. They're not very smart. I agree. (laughs) But anyway, uh, Trish is uh, marketing manager for the southern region of Cal Park's Company, C A L P A R K S C O dot com. And they have a tremendous amount of opportunities available for people all over. Now, Trish, I did tell you now that um, we've just uh, re- picked up another 40 broadcast radio stations. So not only are you famous, now you're even more famous. Oh, now I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've got a lot of people in Austin and Houston and Alabama and, and uh, Georgia and Pennsylvania and Detroit that are listening to you right now. Why should they come to California to, for a little uh, getaway? Um, you know, if they're out on a road trip or want to, you know, get out there and, and enjoy us. Tell us what a little bit about why you think and what you have that people should want to come here. Sure. It's funny. I'm actually pulling into Lake Paris as we speak right now, um, which it has our, one of our amazing inflatable water parks. We actually have three locations in Southern California that has water parks. So if you have a family, um, 
we have some really great places where you can just kind of jump to different lakes, experience water parks, experience getting jumping in a kayak or fishing, and we have some amazing lodging. So if you like to be in kind of like a rustic cabin type situation, or if you have your own RV, and we have full hookups. So uh, we're all we're completely set up for either the the family like that that likes to come mm-hmm. uh, to outdoors together, or for the outdoorsmen that kind of need looking for that peace to well, be on their own. You know, I think land wise, Texas is bigger, but California has so much more to offer than any other state in the country. Um, you've got the highest mountain in the con- in the lower 48. You've got the lowest uh, elevation in the lower 48, or probably in North America, and everything in between. Yeah, so it, it's a great, great opportunity. And you guys, you've got the facilities. There's what 24 different areas that you guys have uh, coverage in. Yes, yeah, yeah, we have 24, so we span across the whole state of California, plus we do have one location up in Oregon, which is Silver mm-hmm. Falls. That's beautiful. That I visited a couple of weeks ago, and oh my goodness, amazing. It's a rainforest. It's yeah. burned, but it's oh, lodging. Yeah, no, it's beautiful, and they actually have the Angel Falls there. But uh, anyway, uh, Trish, we're sorry we got uh, we got you in a little bit late. We'll blame that stupid smartphone. But uh, we'll we'll see if we can try and get back and get some more on it. But uh, go to yeah. co- go to calparks c a l p r k s c o dot com. Correct. Thank you, Trish. Always buy quality, and you will not be disappointed. AO Coolers, the lightweight, soft-sided cooler, will not disappoint you. Easy to carry, less room on the deck, and more efficient. AO Coolers fit the product inside for more performance. Once you try one, you want more. You will be proud to own one. AO Coolers outperform bulky, hard-shell, and lesser soft-sided coolers. For types and how to find yours, go to aocoolers.com. Available at West Marine. For your outdoor adventure in the West, CalParksCO.com is required. CalParks has 24 prime locations for camping, fishing, or boating. Lake Comanche has 54 miles of shoreline and three marinas west of San Francisco, known locally as Monster Lake because of the big fish in abundance. Lake Hemet is surrounded by the majestic beauty of tall pines and giant oaks in the mountains of Southern California, a majestic vacation spot. CalParks Company is your prime location for outdoor adventures in the West. The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Warmer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA. The road stretches for miles in front of you. And with the Ram 1500, you'll be able to reach mile after open mile. It gets a best-in-class 25 miles per gallon highway. So your destination won't just be determined by your gas gauge, but by your gauge for achievement. And the Ram 1500 is the first-ever back-to-back motor trend truck of the year. Guts. Glory. Ram. See your local Ram dealer today for great deals. EPA estimated 25 MPG highway based on V6 4x2. 
It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. If your feet are happy, you are happy. Soft Science Supreme Comfort Outdoor Footwear will give you happy feet. Durable, lightweight, and supportive. Soft Science Footwear is designed for boating, fishing, or everyday comfort and performance. With history of highest quality, you will be proud to own this revolutionary footwear. SoftScience.com has many types and styles you need to check out. Invest in quality footwear, and you will be happy for many years. Find out why at SoftScience.com. Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Henneken and Mike the Grizz. Well, guys, we got a really special treat for you today. You know how many people are all the time asking what kind of knife I want, how big should it be, everything like that? Well, we got the lady now. Not a man. We got the lady that knows all about knives. So you guys better be careful. I know her husband talks very lightly, but she's a knife expert, and uh, you yeah. know you might get sticked in the ribs. Yeah, if you're not don't mess, careful. don't mess with that. Yeah, no, don't mess with Mimi. She knows just where to stab it and how far to put it. Maybe oh. <laughs> we're so proud and happy to have you on our show today. Oh, and thanks, Chris. So, uh, I wanted you to tell us now. First of all, I want to tell us about the different metals knives are made of and why. And in your opinion, remember, it's her opinion, what is the best to use? Would you tell us? Well, first of all, tell us about your company, your factory in Massachusetts. It's uh, the Murray Company, right? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um Our Murphy Knives was founded in Boston, Massachusetts in 1850 by brothers Robert and John Murphy. It's one of the oldest knife manufacturers in the country. And um, my husband and I bought it in 2009, becoming just the fourth owners in all that time. Well, and is is that M-U-R-P-H... M-U- yeah, it's R for Robert, R, you know, R period Murphy, M-U-R-P-H-Y. Okay, all right. Well, that's just great and really interesting. Probably one of the oldest knife-making places in the United States, I would imagine. Definitely. And also there at the uh, one of the 13, the colonies, right there in Massachusetts. That's correct. <laughs> so somebody got at Plymouth Rock, and his name was Mr. Murphy, and he says, Damn, I'm going to make me some knives. <laughs> and started That's with- right. Because otherwise they were importing them all from England and Germany, and then they yeah. decided, well, we should make our own. You know, yeah, me- and, and uh, Indian knives weren't working too good out of stone. So. Right. <laughs> Uh, no. Grizz, if you don't mind, I've got so many questions, and I don't want to... I started, John. Start Okay. All right. Well, Mimi, um, yes. a couple of things. 
You know, the main main question is stainless or uh, high carbon steel. Now, right. high carbon steel I know is harder, um, but it does rust very easily. But uh, you know, and I'm sure that back when you first started making knives, they didn't even probably didn't even have stainless steel. That's correct. Okay, so tell us about the, the, those two things, would you? Yeah, sure. Uh, carbon carbon steel without the anti-corrosive properties that stainless carries takes an edge much better from the get-go, from the first grind on, and then that you, that edge retention is superior to stainless. It just lasts so much longer, the edge. And then it's easy to put an edge back on it. You can bring the edge right back and it was stainless over time. I mean, you can do that and you pass your knife down for generations. With stainless, you can only go so far. So if you want a superior edge that's easy to maintain in terms of the edge part, um, you go carbon. If you want to have a knife that stays shiny, and then get yourself a high-carbon stainless steel knife. Mm-hmm. The petite, the, there's natural oxidation with the carbon, like brass or copper or, or even like an avocado or leather or <laughs> okay. wood, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that protects it, that darkening patina protects it from, from red rust. But you still got to dry it and put it away dry. But now, let me understand this. You said there's some things that you can put on a high-carbon knife that will help um, keep no. it shiny? No. Well, no. It'll get the dark patina, which is natural oxidation, mm-hmm. and it will stay that way. Mm-hmm. Um, that helps pre- prevent red rust from happening. Mm-hmm. Red rust will occur when you leave it wet, mm-hmm. which you can get out with saying um, steel wool and like a barkeeper's friend or something. Yeah. So we we promote we promote carbon because the edge is so much better and and uh, lasts much longer. And then you can bring the edge right back. Mm-hmm. So for hunting knives and fishing knives, anybody out in the field, carbon is the way to go. And I love them in the and, kitchen. And you say carbon is the way to go because it's harder. That means, well, like, if you're going to have to break a bone or cut a stick, it's better? No, it isn't harder. so much harder that way. It's, it's just that it holds the edge much better. Well, is it, could, would it be safe to say that the difference might be is that in stainless, you can actually bend the edge? Where on, mm. car- on carbon, it, you, know, you, you can break it, but you can't bend it. No, not really. That would your that's that's steel before and after heat treating. Yeah. Before heat treating, you can bend steel. After you heat and temper and and all that, you can't you can't well, bend it. It'll I'm break. Not, I'm not talking about folding it. I'm talking about the edge itself, where it can it. You know, when you um, use a steel, you know, to to sharpening, it really isn't sharpening it. It's just realigning the the edge, right? Well, yeah, you're bringing the edge back by, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I don't know how to put it, like taking more steel off mm-hmm. to, to create the edge. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, real, the real difference there is that stainless steel can only go so far when you're resharpening. And carbon, you can 
resharp and bring that edge back over and over and over again. That's why hunting knives are always carbon or most of them, the good ones. And then, you know, they get passed down different generations because they laugh. Mm-hmm. And then you've got uh, another thing we talked about earlier. You've got uh, this skinning knife that I really, really like the looks of. You have a special knife for, like, skinning bears. You want to tell us about that one? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Um, well, I actually like two knives for, um, you know, field dressing large game, bear, deer, elk, and all that. Uh, the skinner is one of them. The other one is a knife we make called the hunter. The hunter is a good one to start your work with because it has a, a five-inch thin finish, you know, blade with a very substantial clip point. So it makes for quick insertion and a perfect start stroke. And if that tip, it's 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 so it's kind of thin because of that clip point. So it it rides on that tip and stays close to the skin. So it's a good way to start. And if you're if you got your bear or whatever hanging by its legs, you can also do the legs with it. Then the skinner, which you are talking about, is the way to go for the rest of it for making the long stroke. Our skinner has is an elliptical shaped blade. So in essence, the 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 blade tip is like a drop point blade. Drop point blades are very effective for removing the hide um, because it kind of positions the tip closer to the center of the blade, so it gives you greater control. And um, and, the, and our Skinner has a really nice arched spine, which in a, it kind of effectively makes the blade wider, you know, because it gets a belly that um, is great for... Um, it glides, it kind of sweeps between the skin and the meat and and helps avoid puncturing the hide, which you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so, that's something so many people, excuse me for interrupting. Sure. That's one of the things that's so wow. bad about knives. You know, most people don't realize you do not need to cut deep on a good bear. Uh, and I'm talking about a big 450-pound bear. You don't need right. to cut any deeper than three inches. Right, just a four-inch blade. Yeah, and, and, and if you're talking about a deer, you don't want to cut any deeper than two inches. Right. But these guys get these big knives out, and they do more damage because they're actually cutting meat, leaving right. meat on the hide, or when they're actually cleaning the animal... They poke it in, and they're actually, excuse the people that don't like to hear these nasty things, please hold your ears for the moment. They Uh-oh. stick it in, and they cut the guts open, and then you're ruining the meat. Yeah. So you don't need a knife that's six inches long. No, not at all. Being a big deer. As a you matter of fact, a lot of the, our customers use the hunter on a deer because the like I was saying about that kind of thin blade and the clip point mm-hmm. works really well with the deer. But I think you were talking to me a little bit, too, about javelina. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so you would do that like you do a bear. Yeah. You know, exactly. you start with that You start with that clip point hunter knife and then move into the 
you know, making the long strokes with the Skinner. Mm-hmm. You know, the drop point and the elliptical blade. Plus, that's a super comfortable knife. You can hold the Skinner. You can hold it in any position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so you can be upside down or holding it backward. You know, so it really helps with those long okay. strokes, like the rib cage to the back. Mimi, unfortunately, we're getting down to it. We've got about 30 seconds left. And I, oh, my. I, but, yeah, I know. We could talk about this for hours. Um, but just a, just a quick response. I don't want to go into detail. Do you also make kitchen knives? Oh, yes. Yes, we make them in, in carbon, which we promote, and we also make them in high-carbon stainless. We have oh, a whole okay. line of kitchen knives. Well, I use, a, knives, I, I, knives, I, I, I use a lot more of those than I do skin and bears. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Mimi, Mary, why don't you give us your uh, contact information really fast, because we're going to have to go to a break. Okay, it's com. We sell online. We're having a free shipping thing right now for the holiday. Did you know there's a lake in Northern California that's called the Monster Lake? It's home to some monster-sized largemouth bass and trout because they grow in this giant 10-mile lake. It'll take you 30 minutes to go from one side of the lake to the other. And it has camping, cottages, RV sites, hiking, boating, kayaking, and even horse camping. Tell them John Hennigan sent you, and they'll even give you a special gift on California parks. LakeComancheResort.com. That's LakeComancheResort.com. If your feet are happy, you are happy. Soft Science Supreme Comfort Outdoor Footwear will give you happy feet. Durable, lightweight, and supportive, Soft Science Footwear is designed for boating, fishing, or everyday comfort and performance. With history of highest quality, you will be proud to own this revolutionary footwear. SoftScience.com has many types and styles you need to check out. Invest in quality footwear, and you will be happy for many years. Find out why at SoftScience.com. The road stretches for miles in front of you, and with the Ram 1500, you'll be able to reach mile after open mile. It gets a best-in-class 25 miles per gallon highway, so your destination won't just be determined by your gas gauge, but by your gauge for achievement. And the Ram 1500 is the first-ever back-to-back Motor Trend Truck of the Year. Guts. Glory. Ram. See your local Ram dealer today for great deals. EPA estimated 25 MPG highway based on V6 4x2. The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Warmer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. 
It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real fun adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real fun trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with Mike the Grizz and John Hennigan. Well, by golly, we got another great guy on. Uh, I did some searching to find out about peacock bass. You know, I've fished a lot of peacock bass down in the Amazon area, and uh, I have never, never fished for peacock in the United States. But we got a great guy that knows all about it, he's an expert, he's an outfitter, he's a guide, he's everything you ever wanted. His name is Todd, and Todd, take it away. Tell us what you do. How are you, Chris? I'm doing great, buddy. Fantastic. Hey, uh, listen, we're down in sunny South Florida, and, uh, you know, we got these exotics that we, uh, we were fortunate enough to con the state of Florida to bring in back in the 80s, and they have flourished, you know, typically from the southern part where the saltwater and the freshwater mixes in the Keys all the way up to Palm Beach on the east and west coast, uh, pretty much in the Naples area on the west coast. But, uh, yeah, they, they become a great fish and um, obviously a, just a sport fish. Well, I have a question for you. You know, I'm normally against uh, bringing animals in. I mean, you know, look what we did with the pigeons that are all over the church making messes and the English sparrows, what they've done to everything. You know, how many houses they burn down a year. They don't belong here. They were caged birds. The English starlings were brought over also. They're the number one birds for carrying diseases. Uh, we got snakeheads, we got carp, we got tilapia that is destroying Mexico. Tell me, is it all good about the peacock bass? You know, I, I feel your pain there. I really do. And I, I tell you, a, a prerequisite with that, saying that if we had to get the uh, state of Florida and the commission to vote on it today, they probably wouldn't allow us to do it because times have changed. Uh, but back in the 80s, we were able to, uh, you know, sell the bill of goods. And, 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 and fortunate enough, the people that were behind it that were supporting it uh, were correct in what they thought. And we had a overgrowing population of tilapia at the time and some other cichlids, but really the tilapias were taken over. One of the number one foods for the peacock bass was the tilapia. Mm. And so how do you get one species out of a fishery without hurting the other species, right? So, um, you know, we could have done other types of things, but then you would have possibly damaged the fishery and the other fish. So you bring in the fish that likes, <laughs> that, that, that they're the tastiest too, you know? Um, and so we were worried about, obviously, Florida has a fantastic largemouth bass fisheries. Mm-hmm. And the big concern was, you know, are they going to get so abundant that they will take over largemouth fishing, which is, you know, prominent in Florida. Um, well, did and, it and, happen? No, it did not. Um, and, and simply really because they're so climate controlled. Obviously, everybody knows about them in South America. Because they're in South America, they're used to the climate and really, you know, warm weather. So, you know, 80, 90 degree like we have in South Florida is perfect for them. Um, but 
lucky enough in the winter times we do have days in Florida where it gets down to 40 degrees. You know, it's only a day or two, but we do get those little cold snaps and sometimes longer, and that really holds them uh, strictly to where we put them. Oh, that's great. But they are yep. a, a great sport fishing fish. I mean, a tilapia, no. I mean, a tilapia, I wouldn't even eat a tilapia. No, they're good, I mean, uh, They're <laughs> destroying Mexico. But uh, yep. I mean, yeah. well, you need, you need yeah. more peacocks. They love the way they taste. Yeah, there you go. Well, I would be interested in doing something like that, even though I'm a biologist and not really into to introducing foreign species in, but I would like to do that just so I go get some peacocks. There you go. Tell, tell me the difference uh, between a black bass and a peacock in fighting. Oh. Well, in a, yeah, so there's a couple really things that stand out. One is, um, you know, the, the aggression of the peacock bass is, is like, you know, largemouth are obviously aggressive. They come up, they hit top waters and all that stuff. Um, but the peacock bass is they're extremely fast, and people never realize how fast they are. So that's one, is that they're much faster than a largemouth. Um, and two, the fight is like a smallmouth or a spotted bass. I mean, these things fight you all the way to the boat. There's not a 10-second, 15-minute fight, you know, a 15-second fight like there is in a largemouth. Um, these things fight you all the way to the boat, and when you're trying to hold on them and take a picture, they're still fighting you. Um, so they've got incredible stamina, and I think that's the standpoint everybody really likes. Uh, a quick question for you, Todd. Um, I said, I've, I know that you know there's peacock bass, which is primarily a sport fish, no matter where they live. But sure. the Amazon, I understand, have the big ones. Like I said, I've, I've, I've caught peacock in Lake Gatun in Panama, but they were, you know, what, maybe two, three pounds tops. Um, and, you know, basically a peacock is, you know, one that has a black spot on it. And that's pretty much all I know about them. But I know there are different types. Um, now, the ones that you're talking about, why don't you just give us an idea about the different types of peacock bass and where you find them? Sure. So there's, there's, you know, I think up to five, and Grizz might be able to comment better on this, but I, I know there's about up to four or five different types of peacocks. The main ones we have here, we brought in at the original in the 80s, we brought in two different species. One was the spotted, which is the smaller even, and then the butterfly. And we really kind of brought them in to see which one would work out well and whether they'd mix together and so forth. And um, we've then restocked the butterflies again. And so the butterfly is the one that we primarily have here. Um, um, and it, our state record is right, I think, nine and a half pounds is right in that range. So, you know, just like a largemouth, you know, if anybody mm -hmm. catches largemouth, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine pound largemouth are, are fantastic largemouth. Mm -hmm. And you take the same size and, and you increase the strength of that fish, you got a heck of a fight on your hands. Yeah, and, and I think the, the butterfly is the most colorful one. Am I not right? Oh, they're beautiful. Yeah, they're. That's what everybody and, and you know the water that they're in because they're in these uh, coral rock canal systems. The water's pretty gin clear, hmm. so you can actually watch them swim by you with their you know orange fins and stuff. And um, and then when you catch them, the fight back and forth. You can see them the whole time. I mean, for TV and video, it's just it's fantastic. Well, are they really a bass? No, they're a cichlid. They're from the cichlid family. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And well, so and the incredible thing, a tilapia is a cichlid also. 
I, I missed you there, Chris. I couldn't hear that. I, uh, yeah, I said uh, uh, tilapia is also a cichlid. Absolutely. Yeah, those are all in the same. So you've got your Chileans, you've got all kinds of different cichlids. Um, there's a whole realm of them um, that is a separate species from, you know, the bass family. Um, so there's minor cichlids and the Oscars in the cichlid family, mm-hmm. you know, all those species. Um, and the peacock, you know, it's just it's very similar. It feeds, it reacts very similar to, uh, you know, bass. So uh, that's why people like them so much. Um, they react to baits very similar. Um, so they're fun to fish for. Well, you're talking you- about... Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead, John. Well, no, go ahead, John. You're, you're, you're talking about uh, peacocks in uh, southern Florida. I've heard stories where you could kind of walk out of your, you know, million dollar condo with a fishing rod and walk two blocks down to the canal or whatever it is and throw your line in the water and catch peacock bass. I don't know that for a fact, but apparently they do survive in urban areas. Yeah, they did. So there was uh, originally uh, two locations that we stocked them in in the state of Florida. Um, and then over time, uh, then I think we added a third, but they pretty much just got spread, you know, whether it was naturally from birds, you know, taking fry somewhere like it happens in fisheries or people put them in their boat and taking them because they wanted them in their local lake. You know, all that stuff happens without knowledge. Um, but I think uh, most of the canals and the inner structure system, we call it, um, it w- which is in the urban areas, um, which is basically just a you know it's a waterway, a structure that's probably between six and twenty five feet deep. Um, that is just a, a, a an unbelievable amount of canals that lead into lakes, that lead into canals, that lead into all kinds of creeks, um, and these things are just simply to manage water flow in Florida. So um, that's how we transfer our rainwater around and all our, uh, our our water around the state. So they're really not fisheries and you know we we have to some kind of battle with the water management people because we're, we're trying to tell them it is a fishery and they're like no yeah. we just want to move water but um but they've really um from an economic standpoint from the state of florida they've been absolutely fantastic and and um they've added a great value to an already good um population of fish so you could in, actually you know, be in downtown miami and throw your line in the water absolutely yeah hmm. Now, tell us real quick, we only have a a, a couple of minutes left about uh, the guiding that you do and and what it is that you do and, and, you know, where do you go for these? Sure. So um, our our company is is called Bass Online. So if you want to bass on your line, then we're the guys to do that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Pretty handy, huh? So BassOnline.com. It's really simple. Everybody can get to it. It's it's got thorough information. It's obviously got all our largemouth stuff on there because we do do that, all the famous Lake Okeechobee and all that stuff. But obviously we've got guides that just specialize in peacock bass. Um, we were, we've been fishing for them since the 80s when they put them here, so pretty much every place there is uh, that we can get to, mm-hmm. um, you know, where the big ones live. Well, we uh, to, real, so. real quick question. What kind of tackle? How do you fish for them? So I, I like to personally tackle, and what we try to manage is light tackle. So we really use um, uh, spinning rods in most cases. Um, we will use bait casters, but we, lo- we like to gear down and use, like, 15-pound braid, 10-pound um, braid on occasion, 20-pound braid if we you know, around some structure. Um, but really let these fish ring because the, the biggest problem we have is people get big ones on, just land on them as, I mean, like yeah. a you know 25% chance. They... they 
these fish, if you if you get a lure and the lure stuck in the eye of a fish, or, or you know it just accidentally comes up and blows up on it, hooks a fish in the eye, a largemouth will roll over and kind of drag them into the ground because he's like, you know, I'm hurt. These things will just pull the eyes away and pull their eye right out of the socket. Oh, and they're yeah, just they cr- they're crazy. They're crazy. <laughs> yeah, um, sounds like that's what that's what that's what makes right. it so fantastic. Okay, well we got to get out of here, and that is fish on what is it? Was it bass, bass on, online? Bass online. Bass online. Dot com. You All bet right. you. Thank you, Look Tyler. us up. Come back and see All us. Right, All right. Appreciate talk. that. Okay. All right.